0: Neil McCready, and Martin
1: Palomo. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money podcast, presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready in Oxford in the Clark Ford Studios. Martin Palomo is... in in Madison, I presume at Pinnacle Trust or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, We will get to uh, Martin in a moment. Let him tell you a lot about Pinnacle Trust. We're going to talk about the markets, uh, what to look for in the markets this year, some successful strategies that you can use, that you can implement from an investing standpoint, and uh, whatever else might come up here on this uh, January morning. Uh, First, let me tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number that you call. You call that number. You ask for Corey Clark. You tell Corey what Ford product you are looking for. And then uh, Corey will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It is indeed that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is absolutely up to you. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He will prove that to you when you make the call, and he'll really prove it to you once you get yourself into a Clark Ford. Your relationship does not end when you roll off the lot or when they deliver the car to you. It's just getting started. He's always there for you. Great service, phenomenal service, long after the sale there at Clark Ford in Amory. Again, that number is 662-257-1900. Martin, welcome into the show. Good to talk to you again before we get started uh, with today's uh, programming, if you will, tell the people out there about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all.
0: Absolutely, <clears throat> appreciate you, Neil. Happy to be back on, um, man. I'll kind of just dive right into it. A couple of things that are that are really cool that that Stacy and I have been doing in the last couple of weeks is actually kind of creating um, some Facebook pages. You know, we're creating a Twitter handle uh, for the podcast for Mind on My Money. So before we get into the Pinnacle Trust. Piece. I want to tell everyone, all of our listeners, uh, go to Facebook. You can look us up um, and it's through it's at M-O-M-M, mom, which I shortened for Mind on My Money podcast. So at mom podcast is our Facebook page. And then also our Twitter handle is the exact same thing, at M-O-M-M podcast. And you can follow us, uh, like us. We're going to get real active there as well. Uh, let me talk a little bit about Pinnacle Trust as well. Um, you know, as we've said always, we're a wealth management firm uh, trying to help people figure out the roadmap to retirement. Or, you know, if you've come into uh, a windfall of cash, either, you know, money you didn't have yesterday that you have today. You got it from, you know, retirement, from selling a business, uh, from a death or a divorce. Or, you know, now that the Mississippi Lottery is rocking and rolling, if you hit that winning number and you uh, all of a sudden find yourself with a absolute massive amount of money, uh, from the lottery, before you go cash that ticket, give us a call, 601-957-0323. Let's talk strategy before you go get the ticket. Um, but the, yeah, uh, follow us on our Pinnacle Trust Facebook page as well. Uh, we're pretty active uh, there and on Twitter. And we want to be your money guy. So just like the guys at Clark Ford are your, are your truck guys, we want to be your first call. Uh, whenever you have questions. Also, another cool thing that we are starting to do is we're getting a lot of questions about some of the podcasts that we've had um, You know, in the past. One of our most popular ones seems to be Tiffany Bobbs from The Manship and her wine shows. So we have created this really awesome kind of cheat sheet. I say we, Tiffany created it. Um, we're getting it glossied up because uh, a lot of folks have have reached out to us saying, hey, you know what was the wine? She said with the burger, and I'm kind of like, Ugh, I don't know. So we we got a cheat sheet. If you guys want one of those, um, reach out to us by email uh, info at p i n n trust and we'll get it to you.
1: That's fantastic stuff. I just followed on uh, on Twitter myself. I did not even know that you you all did that without even telling me. It's, which is fine. It's fine. No one tells me anything. I'm always the last to know. And, so uh,
0: stay and I, uh, man, we've really been trying to go at it hard and figure out um, we just created all of this. Uh, it was like Friday of last week and then we were off for the holiday Monday. So so today is really, if you want to get technical about it, Neil, we haven't even we're not even 24 business hours old on, uh, on Twitter. But we did do, uh, we invited all of our friends on our personal Facebook pages. Um, last time I checked we were already up over you know 200 250 followers on facebook um we're going to post show stuff show notes um at some point man we need to i need to come to oxford and do a show and we can get some some photos and videos and have a good time
1: we can absolutely do that that's not that would not be hard to do that would be cool. that would be easy and facebook's far more i mean no, no offense to the people at twitter.com that uh twitter's a, twitter's a very entertaining Twitter is nowhere near as good of a, a marketing. Uh, Facebook's a better marketing strategy than Twitter. Twitter, a tweet just doesn't live very long.
0: It doesn't, man. It dies fast. But you know, we're still gonna we're gonna live in both spaces, and uh, <clears throat> you know, try to create some activity and some buzz around there, and and do some fun stuff. And one of the things that um, that Stacy and I are gonna work on too is is having a dedicated "Mine on My Money" website um, as well. So more more to come with that. Our marketing our marketing brains are just Spinning at the moment.
1: Uh, okay, it's got a text from. Sorry, th- someone threw me off. Um, all right, let's Man. let's talk about the markets. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit last week about uh, th- what the markets did in twenty nineteen. Uh, they were they were they were very active. They were robust. Um, people people who invested in their four hundred one ks were rewarded. Um, the the markets just. We're good, frankly, I mean, without getting into all the politics of it all, because I know people get everything gets so political and, and, and we're not talking about the politics with the money and the money was good. What do you expect here as we get uh, rolling in 2020? What do you expect the markets? I know there's no way to predict this. With any degree of of absolute certainty because you don't know what's going to happen in the world and what's going to happen in the environment and, and all of those things that, that all of those things that can affect markets but just looking at it today big picture what do you expect the markets to do in 2020.
0: yeah that's a good question and we can dive in we can dive in a little deeper uh too about kind of the nuts and bolts i know we did it real high level last week um you know with ex- with the expectations of reed being back uh this week and and he just had a conflict so um I can talk a little bit about the drivers and what that builds up to for, you know, for this year as well. And let me talk about kind of the forecast for for this year. Um you know, I'm going to give you it is kind of hard to nail uh, you know, what exactly it's going to be. And I think it's really best for investors to have ranges because when folks talk to uh, you know, when when advisors or other folks talk to um, you know, their clients and the clients were asking, Hey, you know, what's, what do you guys think the the returns are going to be? Or if you're looking at the news, it's always, you know, a single number. And, and I say that to say, we, you know, we think that, that us markets are going to be, you know, in the high single digits this year, but really I'd, I'd like to give a range to folks because during the year, it doesn't just kind of stay at this, you know, steady easy go lucky pace it's you know it's fluctuating and we'll talk about fluctuation a little bit later in the show as well but so if you could say you know i've got a my expectations for this year is a range of you know like negative nine percent to positive ten percent and at some point during the markets you're going to or some point during the year you're going to see the markets kind of fluctuating you know in that range i don't expect that there's going to be You know, this huge double digit returns like we saw last year and, and even the, I'm going to side, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for just a second there because last year, like the S&P 500, which is one of the benchmarks that, you know, you hear about all the time on the news. Um, you know, it was up like 28, 29% for 2019, but the Dow Jones, which is another benchmark that you hear a lot about was only up 22% versus, you know, that 28, 29. And so f- some folks go, well, how, did, how does that happen? That, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. When well, there's a third that we're all familiar with, we may not talk about a lot, which is the NASDAQ. And really the NASDAQ is a collection of a lot of tech tech companies. And it was up 35%. So I'm going to break that down into English that we can understand. Okay. Okay. The- the S&P 500 is the, the largest, you know, 500-ish companies in the, uh, in the U.S. So it's made up of tech firms. It's made up of those big blue chip firms like your AT&T's, your, uh, you know, the Dow Chemicals, Walmarts, Exxon Mobiles. Um, so it's 500 stocks. And it's a well-balanced, you know, benchmark. Where the Dow Jones is only 30 stocks. And a lot of people don't realize that. And you know, and they tend to be more industrial type companies. Um, one of the big ones that's in there was Boeing. And I don't know if you remember a lot of the news last year, but Boeing got hammered for the 737 MAX stuff, you know, the crashes from the 737 MAX. And so what ended up happening is, you know, when you only have 30 stocks in the portfolio versus 500 stocks in the portfolio, you know, it's a huge difference. And if one underperforms, it doesn't do well, it can really drag. the down. So, um, so there was a kind of a wide disparity between stock returns this year with S&P versus the Dow Jones uh, and even versus the NASDAQ. So for all intents and purposes, we kind of talk about the S&P 500. It kind of really represents the broad U.S. stock market. Um, and so last year, that one was up you know, 28, 29%. And this year, you know, it's going to be up. I bet you it's up somewhere in the probably high single digits. That's kind of the expectations. Um, we think the economy is, is going to continue to move forward, which kind of supports, you know, high single digit growth. Um, you know, the other piece is that, uh, we think that the U.S. is going to continue to outperform the non U.S. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have, um, you know, exposure to companies outside of the U S but we think the U S is going to be, uh, the, the strongest area again this year. And I don't see bonds really doing much this year. We can talk a little bit about that, but so kind of in a nutshell, you know, if you've got a broadly diversified portfolio with a mixture of stocks and bonds, I would say that you should expect, you know, mid to high single digit returns this year, but I'm going to give you a range of, You know, if you have a diversified portfolio, I bet you, I'm going to say your range is going to be negative five to, to
1: 8%. Just when you say that, I think that's a pretty big swing. I mean, that's, that's 13 percentage points. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And that happens on a, you know, on a, on a year to year basis you'll have. So if you remember back in 2018, let me make sure I have my years, right? 2018, there was a december december is general is usually a really uh they call it the santa claus rally uh and but the december of twenty eighteen the markets were down twenty percent you know um in or nineteen percent in that month alone and then the and, and the and the s and p ended up you know at negative six percent or negative seven percent for the year something like that so coming into December if the markets were down 19% and we ended it negative, let's just call it negative seven, then we were up 12% from January through November. And really it kind of was January through October and it kind of started falling off the cliff. So returns can swing violently during a single year. And then, you know, but then, you know, you were down 20% in December, but your portfolio was only down seven if you were fully invested for the whole year. So, being fully invested is important, and we'll talk about that when we get to the strategy stuff too. But yeah, I think ranges make the most sense for folks when you're talking about expectations, because you know, if you have a year when, um, you know, let's say that we tell you, you know, over time your portfolio is going to return, you know, seven percent, you know, year over year, and you have a year where the portfolio is down three. If I told you Hey, Neil, your portfolio, you know, every year is going to average right around 7%. And then you open your statements and you're down three. Are you going to be pissed at me or are you going to be happy?
1: Uh, I'm going to be happy, right?
0: <laughs> Maybe if you've had a couple of bourbons yeah. before. But yeah, but if I gave you a range that said, hey, you know what, year over year, you know, we're going to earn on average about 7%. But in any given year, you know, your returns could range from, Positive ten to negative five, and then you open your statements and you have a negative three percent. You know you're gonna say, "Well, Martin told me that." The- yeah, the-
1: yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be more mad at myself in that scenario that I wasn't sort of keeping up because um, I, I get really guilty of that. I get really busy and and I I I look at this year. I've been really bad about it. I'm trying to get better. I, I'll be honest. I'm maybe I'm like a lot of people I'm at this point in my life where you know this is a busy year I had a kid go off to college I've got another kid that's a junior in high school and Carson started middle school and and we're busy and, and the, the website's gone well and, and, and there was a coaching search and there's all this stuff all this stuff I say all of that to say this I didn't keep up with the news yes I know that the president's been impeached I know that there's a hearing coming up soon uh, but I found that The day in, day out. Ten years ago, for example, Martin, I would be the guy that at night I'd watch some CNN, I'd watch some Fox News to kind of get a little bit of the different. I don't watch any of it now. I couldn't couldn't tell you who the personalities are on any of the networks. I don't keep up. It's bad. And Um, honestly,
0: that's a good thing. We actually, so there's a term that we use for people who watch the news nonstop, the financial news, and then try to go to their advisor and talk about the plan and we actually we call it financial porn because you know all it does is all it does is stimulate you when you're when you're watching it right it really doesn't do anything for you because if you look at kind of the trend of the news and this is not a blanket statement but you know they're talking about the stuff that's bleeding and the stuff that bleeds may not even matter in 2 weeks or 4 weeks and if you make adjustments on your portfolio and we'll actually talk about that in the strategy to the the average investor return versus if you just had a balance you know 60 percent stock 40 percent bond portfolio and leave it and forget about it we'll talk about the difference of returns and it will surprise you
1: huh yeah i just just sort of ride it you know i, I trust the people and just kind of ride it but I, I would That's I, good. I would get mad at myself if I looked up and it had done negatively and I had not paid attention, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and then I would ask you like, what could you have done? Right? So if you're sticking to your plan and you end up with a year with a negative return, it's going to happen. But like what could you have done? And the short answer is the correct answer is nothing. You shouldn't have done anything unless something drastically happened like you lost income or your expenses increased or you're retiring earlier than you expected to. It's been those Those things change the plan. But if it's just, hey, you know, I'm middle age, I got a kid in college, I got kids in high school, and I'm just trying to sock away as much as I can, man, it needs to be on like a, you're putting it in monthly, you're not even looking at it, and you're going to laugh at me, but man, I have, if you told me today, if you held a gun in in my head and said, Martin, how much money is in your 401k right now? I have no idea. I could give you a range what I think it is. But yeah. I just don't open my
1: statements. I only know because I just had my annual thing. Yeah, you it. know, it's not right now.
0: You know, those are and like annual statements are coming out, or if you had an annual review with an advisor, you know, those things are are happening. So, uh,
1: so let me ask yeah. this because that we just mentioned this is in the news. Not to get into the what we expect to happen or whatnot. Here's the here's the question: Will the markets? Are the markets in any? I know they're 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 productive right now. Are the markets in any way uh, tentatively watching the uh, impeachment proceedings, the the trial of, of President Trump that's upcoming? Not not about outcome, win or lose, but just will the markets? Will they? When that's over, one way or the other, will the markets reflect that?
0: Um, man, I think the I think that that markets have already priced in uh, that he will be acquitted, you know, in, in the Senate. Okay. I think the only way that that has a, an impact positive or negative, and of course it would be a negative impact would be that there's a surprise, right? Because, you know, generally large investors and the quote unquote markets uh, don't like surprises. They like, it likes certainty. So, you know, whether it's, um, so you know, in other,
1: what you're saying is if the Senate surprised all of the critics and, and convicted uh, President Trump and removed yep. him from office, that would create unknown and the Absolutely. market does not like unknowns.
0: Absolutely. So let's just let's go one step further and we won't get into forecasting what's going to happen with China. But so all the work that Trump has done, you know, getting the phase one deal finished um, in China, which they did you know last week and we can kind of talk about some of the wins in that too if we want to.
1: Yeah, I think but- I know I think people would like to hear that. People that that don't that are like me, that are interested obviously in their money but have there's a lot of people out there Martin that it's not this is not a Republican Democrat thing. This is not. Right. They they just don't have the energy for all of the partisanship. There there there's a lot of people that have to be like me and like you and like a lot of people that are Hey man, quit giving me your agenda. Just tell me what it means to me. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so and so the 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 phase one deal was an eighty six page deal, right? So, um, I know that the average American is not going to read the eighty six pages, and most of it's going to be legalese. So, kind of the thirty thousand foot view. Um, so China agreed to um, buy more stuff from the U S over the next two years, uh, at at the tune of about 200 billion total. So it's just like, it's like 50 billion in agricultural products, you know, based on the demand from Chinese citizens, um, 80 billion in like manufactured goods, like cars and aircraft and energy purchases and, and right around 50 billion in services like financial services. Um, one of the other big things is said, uh, they would do is they would open up, uh, it's financial serv. China's financial services to afford investments. Um, and then strengthen intellectual property protection. Uh, as we know, like there w- that was the big deal last year was, you know, how they were stealing intellectual property. Um, and one of the other, the other big pieces was that it required China to stop like putting pressure on us companies to share technology when they have a joint venture in China or a local venture. Um, so that, you know. The Chinese couldn't, again, steal steal the technology. So, uh, you know, and, you know, another thing that that it did was it brought down some of the tariffs. Um, You know, it cut in half the 15% tariffs, and then the 25%ers, I believe, uh, have gone away, assuming that, you know, that there's no uh, rough patches hit or, uh, you know, backing out of of any one of the parties. Uh, That's kind of it in a nutshell, man.
1: So, to go back to what we were saying before I sort of interrupted you, you were saying that if in in this scenario where Trump uh, is convicted in the Senate and removed from the Oval Office, removed from the presidency, that there would be a lot of unknown in the market about what this means for the China deal going forward.
0: yeah, you know is China going to renegotiate their deal is you know is Pence going to step in and be a hard line on the China deal, which Pence has been very involved with a lot of the China stuff too, but it's just unknowns, you know, and not that it's kind of funny to talk about unknowns when you have Trump in office, because he's just a, a plethora of unknowns.
1: Yeah, um, he's unpredictable in and of himself on a daily basis, but his unpredictability has become predictable. Sure.
0: <laughs> sure. And you know that, and we know that he's going to, he's going to, he's not going to back down. Um, you know, that's the one thing we know for certain about him is that, you know, he's going to get what he wants or needs out of it, or he's going to walk away. Uh, He's not going to back down.
1: All right, we're going to talk about some investment strategies in a moment. First, let me tell you that this podcast is also brought to you by the refrigeration company TRC owned and operated by Jeremy Wattler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years. At TRC, they understand that great service means being responsive and their highly trained, responsible, and dedicated staff are available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but they work on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems They're building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. They're based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To learn more, Call Jeremy Wattler at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at therefridgeco.com. You can follow TRC at The Refrigeration Company on Facebook or at their website, therefridgeco.com. .com podcast also brought to you by elite dental care with offices throughout West Tennessee in Germantown, Jackson and Trenton elite dental care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise. The doctors at elite dental care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. It's a family care practice. The entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays and more. Uh, They've got TVs and radios in every room. gives patients the comforts of home, all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. They offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that just might not necessarily be fearful, but they have a lot of work to do and they can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. With sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit which ultimately saves you, the patient, time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. To reach them, go to EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. All right, Martin, so give me some, uh, give me some investment strategies moving forward as we get into 2020 in earnest.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> one of the and I'm going to preface it with a video that we've got going out to, um, you know, our clients and and folks who have uh, gotten their email addresses on our uh, <clears throat> on our serves or on our list serves. Um, but we're sending out a video this week that's it's actually really cool. It's uh, it's called uh, or it's it's about like the average retirement, which you know is lasting 18 years or longer, and it's you know it's a really kind of talking about you know, are you prepared for, to be unemployed for, for 18 years? And, you know, so one of the strategies that I think people have to think about now is, you know, we're living longer than we ever have before. Um, so when you're planning for retirement, you need to plan on living for a long time. You know, if you or your spouse, um, you know, have really, really good genes, there's a possibility that you're living into the nineties, mid nineties, late nineties. We have several clients that, you know, that are in that case or in that situation. And if you retired at 60 or 65, I mean, you're talking about 25, 30 years of quote unquote unemployment where you're having to generate income from somewhere. And a lot of it comes from social security, but you know, you're having anything that's above and beyond that, you know, you're having to self fund yourself. So, you know, plan on living for a long time and, Two, one of the things that we try to, you know, uh, stress to uh, our clients is, you know, that old saying, you know, ah, oh, cash is king. I'm going to put my money under my mattress. You know, I've got a stack of bills in my safe, or you know, I'm you know, or I'm I'm really scared of the markets, and I want I don't want to take any risk, so I'm going to put all of my money in a CD. Well, CDs right now are paying you know somewhere between depending on you know how long you lock your money up and you know what banks you go to on average the national average is somewhere between the 0.75% and 1%. So the biggest risk for people who invest in CDs is inflation and right now inflation is you know right around 2%, so the cost of goods, you know whether it's food, whether it's utilities, whether it's gas or just your everyday living expenses except if- for
1: one thing one thing never goes up in price.
0: That's the rivals subscription.
1: You are damn right, never. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Love it. I love it. And that was, and we didn't even plan that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: so, yeah, man. I mean, so you got to think if 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 the cost of living is going up by two percent, and your money is earning less than the cost of living is going up, then you're actually losing money every year. You're losing one yep. percent. So. You know, the evidence of that is if you look back to, you know, like 2006-ish, CDs were paying right around 5%. So if you put $100,000 in the bank and CD paid you 5%, then you made $5,000 of interest that year, right? So now if CDs are paying 0.75%, that same $100,000 only gives you $750 of interest income. And that's just, you know, that's, that's like having a, your, you know, income or your check reduced by, you know, 80% or, or even more. So, you know, those things matter. Cash, cash isn't always king. I mean, it's good to have cash on hand, but it's not, you know, it's not always king. Um, the other thing too, when people are, and this is going to the, the topic that we talked about earlier, when people are setting up plans, it's really, really important to try to take as much emotion out of it as you possibly can. So, and everyone is emotionally attached to their money. I get it. I get it. But you know, if you can say, Hey, we're only, if you can make agreements with, you know, your advisor and saying, Hey, we're only going to make adjustments to the plan. If you know, something big changes, like we lose some of our income or our expenses go up, um, you know, or, or something like that, not, you know, Hey, I really feel because, I mean, I remember when, and I I won't say names because I don't remember names specifically, but when, you know, Trump was elected in, uh, you know, four years ago in 2016, there were people that were like, I'm taking all of my money out of the stock market. Well, if you took all of your money out of the stock market when Trump was elected, you lost a significant amount of wealth, Yeah, a significant amount. So that is a purely emotional Decision and let's just say that you know Trump loses and a Democrat.
1: All right, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way because both of these candidates. I mean, I think it, I think it's becoming again. I haven't followed it as closely as I probably should. I probably will. I love politics. I love history. I'm listening to a a podcast series right now uh, about presidential elections. They're taking every presidential election from George Washington's first. Uh, election back in what was that 1789 to to now and uh it's it's fascinating whether you are a republican or a democrat or whatnot it's it's fascinating so let's just say that it's it's trump versus bernie sanders or it's trump versus elizabeth warren two people that have completely different views on taxation and uh america's role on the globe Uh, two people that have a complete completely two two sets of people that have completely different views let's say we'll take Sanders first and then we'll take Warren or you can do it the other way around I don't care Uh, how would their election as president this coming November because whoever if if there's going to be a new president today's January the 21st today would be their first this time this day a year from now would be their first day First full day in office.
0: Yep. So you were saying you want to know what impact it was?
1: So so Bernie Sanders gets elected on, what's it, November the 5th this year? Yep. Bernie Sanders that night, the the networks call it Bernie Sanders is the 46th president of the United States of America. What does that mean to my money?
0: Yeah. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to answer your question with what happened in the past, right? So when Trump was elected, Every, I mean, almost everyone in the media and the financial media, and even us at Pinnacle, um, we thought, we thought Hillary Clinton was going to, you know, was going to end up winning. Um, you know, all of the polls that were wrong, <laughs> um, you know, pointed to that. And so the markets had priced in, you know, a Clinton victory. Well, of course she didn't win. And, Reed and I were texting each other until probably like two, three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching it, um, because I was, I'm watching the states roll in, and then on the, on the other screen, I'm watching the futures of, for the, the open the next day of, of the markets, and you know the, the futures were down, you know, eight hundred points on the Dow, um, because it was the unexpected, right? It was the, it was not what what we thought was going to happen. So it was uncertainty that happened there. And then the markets really kind of took off, um, after that, after, you know, some digestion of, you know, what is Trump's policy going to look like, you know, and, you know, and Trump was a, was a wild card on the campaign trail. You know, I mean, I remember the crazy stuff he was saying, like in the debate when, you know, he told Hillary Clinton, he was going to put her in jail. I knew he wasn't going to put her in jail, but that ignited the base. It was pretty funny. Um, but you know once they once the market started kind of digesting what a Trump Trump presidency was going to look like, you know it it did end up taking off. So I said all that to say, you know I'm not 100% sure what would happen if only the White House flipped, right? So but if you had, you know, the the White House flip and then you had the Senate flip, right? You can kind of you could really kind of look at that and go, "All right, well, now, they're probably going to get most of the bills and things they want passed in there through if they have the majority of the House, the Senate, you know, and, and the White House. And then you start looking at their policy going, you know, what is their economic policy going to look like? And the market starts pricing those things in. But, you know, if let's say Bernie or Warren wins and, you know, the Republicans uh, keep the Senate, the Democrats keep the House it's going to be a little bit of gridlock. Um, Probably we have, we may not have, you know, uh, high single digit returns for markets. Maybe it's lower single digits or, or low, you know, negative returns because there's uncertainty based on, you know, tax policy. Are they going to roll back the the Trump tax cuts, push the corporate tax rates back up to, you know, in the high thirties. So there's, there's a, there's a good bit of uncertainty about, what would happen going forward that's going to make the markets real skittish. And so you'll hit a, what we call a risk off environment. Um, the other thing is, is man, if people flipped from stocks to bonds, cause that's kind of like the safe haven, um, the bond, the bond area is, is not super, super attractive right now either. I mean, you know, you've got in the U S the interest rates for, you know the 10 years like right at 1.8%. So you think about if you put your money in a 10-year US bond, you're locking in 1.84% for 10 years. That's a long time to make not a lot of money,
1: right? Oh yeah, your money's just basically stagnant. If anything like you said with the inflation, you're you're losing a small amount of money.
0: Right. And then but if you look at well where's the next best place to put my money? The next best place to put your money if we're talking about safety would be in Germany in the German bonds. And guess guess what the interest rate is in Germany?
1: Uh, I could take a stab: uh, two point five percent.
0: It is negative zero point two percent. Well, that's so not,
1: that's not good.
0: You are giving them your money to guarantee you negative returns, and I'm just like that makes no sense whatsoever in the world, right? So why You'd literally they-
1: be better off in that scenario, hiding it in a vault in your house,
0: <laughs> or buying real estate, or yeah, you know. Figuring something else, something different out. So there's a lot of little things that that kind of play into that. But really, the important piece, and we said all we we talked a lot of around the around the edges of of what happens if. But the best thing to do is get a plan and stick to it. So I'm just going to talk about. So let me um, let
1: me finish this real quick because we did we did the Democrat thing. What if? What is your opinion? What 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 happens to the markets if on November the fifth? Uh, the networks announced that uh, Donald Trump has been elected to a second term. Um, obviously, he would go into a second term that he would not be campaigning. I know he'd be concerned about legacy and all of those things, but he would not have to think about a campaign. He would not be able to run again in 2024. Right. What what would the reaction be from the market with, at this point, a, a known quantity that uh, that was president for four more years. That that you knew there was a it was a finite term. He wasn't going to run for re-election. That he was going to be able to to really get aggressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's able to work out all the things that he's trying to work out. Um, you know, I think that he's able to, to really kind of stick the knife in China, uh, bleed them out a little bit, because uh, he's got four years to do it, and they know that they're going to have to start bowing down to some of his demands. You know, the biggest, I think the biggest deal, the strategy I would have used if I was president Xi in China would have been, uh, really kind of like, you know, waiting to, to see if Trump was going to get reelected and, you know, as they would say, you like smoke them out. Right. So cause if they could have held off their negotiations until the election time, um, and he doesn't get elected, you know, then they've, they've got a lot better chance at, at keeping things the way that they want to keep them. But the risk is, you know, you make the gorilla really, really mad. And then he just brings down all kinds of economic hell on you, um, through, you know, through the tariffs and, and tariffs don't help anybody. They hurt everyone. They're a, they're a financial weapon that is that what's that Pyrrhic victory or whatever, where, you know, you, you lose, you win, but you lose by winning, right? It's, there's no no one gains anything from from tariffs. They're just they're like a form of financial torture <laughs> that that doesn't help the end the end guy. But I think that you just get you know you get a little more certainty. You get four years of certainty. Trump gets to kind of you know really kind of as you said put um, put his legacy in place uh, and gets to and really gets to kind of finish out um, on a strong run. I mean I think the Fed's going to be really accommodative. This year, meaning they're they're not going to raise rates. I don't. They've said they're not going to unless something crazy happens, um, and that's good for stock market. That's good for the stock market if if the if the Fed continues to keep rates low. Um, and you know, and recession is really not on. It's funny, you know. Gosh, how long ago was it when we did the recession podcast? Uh, it was several episodes back.
1: Yeah, it was 15, 16 episodes ago.
0: Yeah, and I just don't see recession on the horizon in the next, you know, one to two years. Um, unless there's just something catastrophic that happens and, you know, and the, the Iranian conflict stuff had the, uh, makings to be disruptive. Um, but you know, it kind of, pardon my pun, like died quickly. Uh, you know, it just, it just, it's not going to have as much of an impact unless there's something that continues to happen after the fact, but I don't see that. I, I see the Iranian people are really kind of banding together and, um, and going after their own government for some crazy stuff that happens there.
1: Um, all right. So kind of as we wrap up, what's your, um, you, I, I've interrupted you a lot today. I, I feel like I, have the interrupter in chief, as we talk about the commander in chief, I did a lot of interrupting. I apologize to the listeners and to you, Martin.
0: No, you're good. Um, I mean, I'll just finish out a little bit on, And I'll I'll make it relatively quick. You know, some of the strategies we talked about, you know, not having an emotional bias in a plan, just making a plan and sticking to it. So I just want to give a little statistic. And we're looking at a 20-year annualized return from like 1998 to 2017. So if you were invested in just stocks, the S&P 500, you made 7.2%. If you made a plan and you you were 60% stocks, 40% bonds, you made 6.4% which is awesome because you're right there tracking with the S&P, but you didn't, you know, you didn't have as much risk. The average investor, though, the average investor who made adjustments based on, you know, if there was news in the market or there were, you know, there were swings, you know, up or down, the average investor made 2.6%. And there's some statistics out there, and we don't really have the time to jump in it today, but it's really fun statistics that talks about, Like if you missed the best 10 days of the markets in a 20-year period, what was your return versus if you would have been invested through the best 10 and the worst 10? Um, You know, and generally people miss the best 10 days when they're trying to time, you know, time the market. If the market's falling and they're like, oh, I got to get out, I got to get out. And then they wait for the bounce back, but they end up waiting, you know, too long because no one knows when the bounce is going to happen, right? And sometimes you get what they call a dead cat bounce. Where, you know, you get a bounce up and people are like, all right, this, that was the bottom. Here we go. And then it drops again. So you get like this double bottom. They call that a dead cat bounce. Um, So if you're trying to time all that, man, you can get caught in some crazy, um, you know, money losing strategies. And you look at the end of the day, scratching your head going, how did I not make any money if the markets were up, you know, 10 percent? How am I only up 2 percent? Well, it's because. You missed the best days. You were on the sidelines. You were in cash in the best days of the market. And those best days really uh, are huge. And I mean, and we had one uh, December 26th of 2018 was kind of the bottom of that 20% down downturn. The market, the, I don't know if you remember or not, but that was the day the Dow was up a thousand points. So if you missed December 26th, you missed a lot of your return coming back into your, into your accounts. So, you know, I know that they say you know, try don't try to time the markets, but it really is it's time in the markets is better 100% of the time than timing the markets. So, time in the markets is better than timing it. And I know that kind of sounds like playing on words, but it is.
1: No, it's awesome. fast. I've never thought about it that way, but you're that's that's a fascinating way to think about the market.
0: Yeah, just shut your brain off and 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 man, if you can if people can put money monthly into uh an investment program whether it's either 401k that's or you know if you're just doing it where you have it drafted out of your checking account each month that is that is the best strategy that anyone can use because it is not emotional whatsoever it's like the same dollar amount is going in every month whether it's from your you know from your employer or from your bank account and so what it does is over time you're able to end up you know you're you're buying a lot more units when the prices are low, when the markets are down and you're buying less when they're up and you end up what's called dollar cost averaging, um, you know, into your, that's the non-emotional best strategy. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like I gave the milk away today, but, um, but really having a plan and figuring out what the plan is, what your plan is with an advisor is gold. And look, if you want to come to Pinnacle and let us help you figure out plans. If you mentioned that you heard all this on the Oxford Exxon podcast or the mind on my money podcast, you're going to get 10% off of your first year fee. So man, it's like you're, you're making a little bit of money on in year one too, because, uh, because you're going to get a, a small discount.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend it. All right, Martin, that's uh that's great stuff. You're, you are, uh, you're on top of your game today. I, I was not, I was just interrupting and, uh, but maybe I steered us in a few directions. So
0: no, I asked some good questions that, you know, most people would think about, but you know, may not have the weekly time that you and I have to kind of flush out and ask those questions.
1: Well, speaking of weekly, we'll be back next week with another edition of mind on my money podcast. Please uh, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, uh, follow us, uh, friend us, all of those things and uh, tell a friend about the podcast. We would appreciate that as well. So from Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Again, our thanks to all the people at Pinnacle Trust for making this possible and until next week, take care.